This is Paul. This is Wayne. So I don't know if you guys have this scenario where you live or if this is just a Texas thing, but uh, in my backyard, I have this metal green pod sticking up in the corner of my yard, which is where all of the ISP cable connections run through this part of the neighborhood. Do you guys have anything like that? No. I have previously, yes. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Yes. So, you know, if there is a cable or an internet service provider problem, they need to get in my backyard to, you know, check the connections through this, mm-hmm. you know, main con- main connector thing. And so uh, I have a pool and I have dogs and I keep my backyard locked at all times and have had issues in the past with, uh, you know, guys who let themselves into my backyard uh, uninvited, un, you know, uh, they, they, they had not sought permission. And I have, in fact, called the police on them in the past. <laughs> and, you know, the police have shown up and, you know, like, hey, you're going to have to get out of here. And they're like, well, it's in the easement. Yeah, but you have to cross his yard to get there, you know, and you got to coordinate with the homeowner. And I have put every single one of these service providers on notice. I'm happy to let you in the backyard. You got to call first and we can schedule a time for you to come in. So on Friday, I get the AT&T guys like, hey, yeah, I need I, I, I do you have one of those, uh, you know, green pods in your backyard? I said, yeah, sure do. Sure do. And he's like, I need to get back there. And I said, well, if you'll check your records, I usually require you guys to call first. And I said, but you're lucky I'm home. I said, however, I just let my dogs out. They've just eaten lunch. I need to give them some time out there. I said, so can you give me 30 minutes and I'll let you in? And he's like, ooh, yeah, 30 minutes. And he starts looking at his watch and I'm like, that's not going to work for me. I said, okay, let me let me make this clear for you. I'm not letting you in my backyard and for 30 minutes. If you want to get in, come back at noon. I'll let you in the backyard. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, uh, that's not really, um, I guess I can go. I said, you don't have to wait here. I said, you can go do something else, but be back in 30 minutes. If you're not back in 30 minutes, the gate will remain locked. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I've never seen a uh, company be so on time in my life. (laughs) (laughs) You put him on the spot. He's like, I, I, I I, I mean, I, you know, I I will straight up, you know, keep, cause the gate's locked all the time. And, you know, my, my pool guy knows where the key is. My yard guy knows where the key is. You know, (laughs) nobody else does. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to let you in. And I, I will and have called the police before. So, you know, just saying. Anyway, he, yeah. he just he just seemed very uh, I no one talks to me like this. <laughs> I was so expecting you to give him some answer like, you know, I need you to come back between 30 and 45 minutes. I'll be out sometime <laughs> around then. Well, I, you know what? Typically what I want to do is, is say, OK, uh, I will open the gate sometime between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't tell you when that's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aaron, I have a backyard story as well in that case. Uh-oh. So I pay a service called Yuckos to come out and pick up all the dog's poop. Okay. So I don't have to go around and behind them. I can just let them to the backyard and they come out every two weeks and get everything. Uh-huh. They're really good. So online a while back, I saw people ranting about, you know, well, go pick up your dog's poop because there's no such thing as the poop fairies. So I had realized, hey, these people show up early in the morning before I wake up and they make the poop disappear. These are my poop fairies. Uh uh So one of the things they do is they drop off dog treats on the front porch when they're done. 
because they want to make more poop to keep them in business. I get that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Accident. <laughs> so yes. I went out went out the other day. I picked up the uh, two dog treats. I come in, and my wife gives me the weirdest look when I do this. But I walk up to the dogs. I come and sit. Okay, this is from your poop fairy. This is from your poop fairy. Nice. My wife gave me the weirdest looks for... <laughs> But they needed to know those were not from me. Those were from their poop fairies. <laughs> uh, you know, this is some one percenter bullshit going on right here on this podcast. I just gotta say, <laughs> come fix my cable you at know, my convenience. <laughs> I, I see. I, you know, I, I frequently feel, you know, that uh, I, I am, I, I, I'm living the life of Riley. You know, having, you know, somebody, a guy who comes and mows my yard and a guy who comes and cleans my pool. You know, I frequently feel guilty about that, but I have never a, even ever considered having somebody come and clean up my dog's poop. No, and I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I got three dogs. That might be uh, <laughs> that might be next on my on my call. I did, when I learned that that was a service that people that, would that do. Exists. Yeah. 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 I, I jumped right on it. Yeah. Huh. 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 Thing. Huh. I mean, can they come? Can they come just flush the toilet for me after I poop, <laughs> so I don't have to do it myself? <laughs> That's what I need. Maybe do some of the paperwork if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for that, yeah. you just buy a bidet. No, I think you still. Have, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Oh yeah, a, a bidet changes how you. Poly. Yeah, a bidet changes how you poop. It yeah. makes if you poop anywhere other than your house after you have a bidet, you feel like a savage. This is like a you're traveling experience. I feel yeah, yeah. this you're sounds traveling. like somebody who is a connoisseur of uh, European methods of pooping. <laughs> yeah. You travel, you go to a motel and you just feel like you're a savage because you don't have your bidet. <laughs> First of all, if you have a bidet, why are you going to a motel? <laughs> because you travel. <laughs> oh, good time. Speaking of shitty things, uh-huh. <laughs> it was announced this week that uh, the HBO is surprising no one, really, um, that the HBO Max TV series uh, Titans and Doom Patrol would be ending with their current seasons. Now, it's when I say surprising no one, including the creative staff who apparently had anticipated that this was a potential and planned both series to have, I wouldn't say definitive, but satisfying endings. Um, should this have been the scenario? You know, I I feel like uh, Doom Patrol is a really well-produced, well-acted series. Mm-hmm. However, I haven't watched the last three seasons. I'm the I same watched- way on both shows, honestly. I enjoyed the first season of both shows. Uh-huh. I, I never finished the second season of Titans. I think I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of their – it was an episode of Current Time, an episode of Flashback. They were alternating yeah. that. I didn't really love that format, and so I never yeah. finished it. Um, I think so, I did season two of Titans. I don't think I ever got to season three. Yeah, so I, I, I've not seen either show in in, in, in yeah. at least the last two seasons. Yeah, my yeah. first thought on Titans was, and nothing of value was lost, because I, I watched the first season and I hated it. But I pushed my way through it because Crypto was going to be in season two. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't keep going with season two. Doom Patrol, I loved season one. Yeah. But for some reason, I just could not get into season two. See, I've had the same. I find that same. I, I find that when a show, a show is quirky like that, and I, I've, I had made this same point about Thor: Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. A joke only works for so long, right? And I feel like with Doom Patrol, it's like, okay, this caught me off guard in season one. With season two, now I, it, now it's just yeah. old hat. It's not like well, it's any less quality. I'll be honest I really with you. wondered how much of season one was Alan Tudyk's narration. 
that made it extra special mm-hmm. that wasn't yeah. there in season two. Well, and I find that I was having the same reaction that I typically have to the Doom Patrol comic book. You know, I like the concept of it. I don't yeah. really enjoy or, or, or connect to the execution. I recognize how good it is, but I don't enjoy it like I want to. And I, I kind of had the same feeling about Umbrella Academy. You know, I, I while I, I loved season one, I just have not been able to bring myself to go back and watch the subsequent seasons. So I I loved season one. I love season two. And I have never finished season three. I started it. I was enjoying it. And just for some reason, I never finished it. Yeah, I, um, you know, so and people, of course, immediately reached out to James Gunn and he's like, man, this decision predated me. Leave me alone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not responsible for killing all your dreams. Yeah. I mean, for what <laughs> it's worth, James Gunn needs to get off of social media. It's not like Kevin Feige responds to every fan who who screams at him. So but yeah, so James Gunn has said this decision was predating me. You know, this is they were not intended to continue after this season, which makes sense. I mean, I think the show's. um I think Doom Patrol more than Titans certainly found an audience, mm-hmm. but with the intent of what they're doing with DC, they I, I'm I'm fine with both of them ending. Uh, to your point, when I know you say nothing of value was lost, the only thing that I will say, which is a shame, um, is that uh, the guy who played Nightwing I thought was was spot on casting. He's a good Nightwing. Yeah, yeah he was and a damn good I, Nightwing. Hopefully, they find some use for him in what not. Obviously not as Nightwing because you don't want to connect it to the show, but in whatever they do, I, hopefully they find a use for him. I don't disagree. Yeah, but you know, on the flip side of things, there was the happy news that again, surprising no one, uh, Tom Taylor would be and Nicola Scott on art would be taking on a new Titans book, kind of spinning out of the events that of Nightwing 100. And they, uh, they kind of made a, part of a big, They kind of made a big deal of that announcement, but it was kind of a I mean, I kind of felt like they announced that at the end of one of the recent comics where I forget which title it was, but where Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman all get together and tell Dick Grayson that he needs to head up the new Justice League. And at the end of that issue, Dick Grayson says, no, it doesn't need to be the Justice League. It needs to be the Titans. Yeah, that was the that was the last. No, that would when he actually said it was the Titans was the last uh, issue of Nightwing. That's right. One hundred. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, that's where I felt like that announcement was made. So it seemed a little redundant that they came and actually did a press release after the fact. Yeah. It seemed like the time to do the press release was right around the time that issue was dropped. Yeah, it must be tied to the solicitations coming out for that month. Sure. Kind of thing. But, I mean, I'm excited about it. I, you know, I love Tom Taylor. And if this is the book they're using, no, it's one. I'm a little torn in that, you know, I, I get what they're doing, which is they're trying to make the Titans their 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 ultimate team book. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this, this is this is not the time for a Justice League. This is the time for the Titans. But, you know, the Titans aren't Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. Right. Um, don't get, I mean, I think the, the, the characters that they've chosen, they, they've chosen pretty much the classic Titans. You know, you've got Nightwing, Donna Troy, um, Cyborg, Cyborg. Cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the characters that that you generally is Starfire. It's the, it's the um, Wolfman Perez Titans, right? Yeah, the Wolfman Perez Titans, yes. which is fine. But you know, it's I don't foresee that being something that ha- takes on will ever take on the same level of of satisfaction and gravitas as a Justice I, League book. I just, well, I, with the I, with the exception of Donna Troy, it's also the cartoon Titan, mm-hmm. and I think they've true. reached the point where 
those kids have now grown up enough to be potentially reading. So they want them in there. And, you know, it feels like it doesn't cyborg is going to be on whatever team is the main team, whether it's justice <laughs> league or tight. It makes trying to make cyborg yeah. happen. And that was a Jeff Johns thing too. And now mm-hmm. he's not even writing the book and they're still trying to make cyborg happen. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why, why was he not the sacrificial lamb in any of these crises? Of That's, right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But regardless, I, I'm looking forward to it. I just really feel like it's going to be 12 issues of them being there and then the justice league will be back with the big three superman batman wonder mm-hmm. woman because that's what the world wants right you know th- this is just the way because we see this all the time where the 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 main team gets shuffled off to do something whether it's you know uh you know what was that one year later or whatever that story was where oh, yeah everybody was off the map for a year mm-hmm you know, uh, you know, gazing at their navels or what have you. I mean, th- th- these kind of things happen in comics. I just this just feels so well. This isn't going to be a thing. This is not going to last. It's not going to have any staying power. We're twelve or eighteen months, and the jail's back. Yeah, if, if that. I mean, I really think. I mean, twelve, eleven months from now, I'm pretty sure JL will be back. You know, DC always releases their big book around Christmas or New Year's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, JL will be back for that time frame. If yeah. not sooner, but at, but at the latest, that'll be that'll be around that time. Yeah. And that'll be the new rift between, you know, Nightwing and and Batman, because mm-hmm. it'll be we've got to come in and take care of this because you kids couldn't do it. You know, I mean, that, that, that that's my prediction. Right. Yep. That this nice, warm, fuzzy that we got at the end of Nightwing 100, where, you know, we all trust you, Dick, you know, he'll make some critical decision that the big three disagree with. Yep. Then it'll be Justice League versus Titans. That's right. It'll be the big crossover. That's I mean, right. we can hero write, versus hero. Just give me a call. We yeah. got this. It's probably it can't be any worse than what you've been doing in fine in Dark Crisis. <laughs> um, but you know, I will say it, it on a brighter note. I truly enjoyed Action Comics 1051, except for I, I did have a couple of things that struck me as not great. Okay, let's go. Talk to me about it, Paul. Okay. One, while I appreciate the inclusion of Kong, um, the Superman of China, right? China. Yeah, Chinese um, Superman. Chinese Superman really felt out of place, like random in this book. I um, that's the I don't understand his place, yeah. right? Uh, and not because he's Chinese Superman, but because they just have never really connected those stories. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was like, I feel like I missed the point, the part where he was just. Like hanging out in Clark Kent's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and why is just he introduced to the other characters? Well, and why like is he just casually? Know. Why is if he's the chi- uh, Chinese superhero and he's very tied to you know uh, Chinese nationalism? Why is he so casually hanging out in America? I mean, I feel like there should have been a conversation about that, right? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, it feels like they just wanted to bring the they wanted to bring the entire super family together. And so that's what they did. Yeah. Well, my biggest issue these, with him sorry, in this book, sure. my biggest issue with him in this book is that he has no personality in this book. Mm-hmm. He is just there and it could be any character filling in the space. If you're going to bring him in, tell us who he is for those of us that haven't read him. Yeah. I haven't read any of his comics, but I know of him. And, and when I you have nothing. three teenaged aged, yeah, dark haired characters um, sitting in a room together, 
and the only differentiation is that Kong has the shortest hair. Well, <laughs> John has the longest hair and Connor has kind of in the middle. Sometimes I was like, hmm, hmm, which one is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I struggled a little bit. Now, I'm hopeful that they will find a way to make that character differentiate himself from some of the others. I hope, you know, whether it's in some of these backup features or whatever, it, it one of the issues I had with his inclusion, I, ha- I would have to go back and reread uh, 1050, is was he in the bubble of characters who should know Clark Kent is Superman? Right. When that happened? He must. I mean, it was only an issue ago. So if he wasn't, that would be a pretty big oversight. I, but I have to I have to go back because the others were. I know the others were. But it, I was like, was was he? Because, you know, yeah. otherwise he should be dead. Yeah. <laughs> or have a heart yeah. attack like Terry. Um, so that was that was one qualm I had about it. So the, one of mine, you described the scene where they're all sitting, you know, around the house. Yeah. Artistically, and this is I think possibly more of a coloring than a than the actual drawing. You cannot tell that he is Asian. No. Like, you he sure is can. Sitting, yeah. yeah. Like, I see two black-haired teenage kids sitting on a couch and I could not tell you that they're not both white guys. Yeah. yeah. I had a harder time telling from Connor from, from John, honestly, mm-hmm. because at least they had longer hair. Um, it was only the fact that J- um, Connor has the shaved sides. <laughs> what did you guys think of the uh, Superman keeping the, uh, the collar and chains well, costume is for, it, uh, for sexy time? Is it Superman keeping it or is it Lois keeping it for Clark? Oh yeah. I think it's Lois keeping yeah. it for Clark. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I, like, oh, yeah, I, I uh, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> the collar, the chains. <laughs> and I have one more comment, and it's not necessarily negative, but I, I would say a hope. Well, I have two comments. One is positive. One, I love the fact that Lois is editor in chief of the Daily Planet now. I think that's a great I think that's a great call. Yeah, perfect. Perfect yeah. call. Um, I'm hopeful that now that they have all these super characters, I don't really think sitting around. The, the Kent's apartment in Metropolis is really a viable solution. Right. I, I'm hopeful that we get some type of super team headquarters, um, especially you know now that they've all kind of been branded with these new costumes from Dan Mora. They all wear, they all have the, you know, the S crest. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will see some type of new, new headquarters, some, some super hall of justice or something. Well, Specifically it for seems characters. like that was supposed to be the purpose of the steelworks building that got part oh, of the yeah. blown up. It got blown up in the first in the first mm-hmm. issue. You see it, yeah, yeah. It'll so I have always been a big fan of the Superman family concept, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I love the extended Superman family. Um, I like the idea that that's what we're going to use Action Comics for. You know, Action Comics has a has a long and storied history of being an anthology book. Right. Um, And sometimes that's worked really well, sometimes not. Um, It's interesting to me that, you know, there are three stories in this issue of Action Comics. And I found that the second story was the one that I was the most interested in. Of course. Right. And Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks continuing their story from Lois, from that uh, Lois and Clark um, DC rebirth. It was pre rebirth. It was that. um, It was the, the. the post uh was it multiversity no it was that uh, con something i uh convergence, convergence. thank you yeah. yeah um 
and I loved it. I, I, I loved it. It was just, you know, a slice of heaven reading the story. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was uh, interesting seeing how they would fold it in mm-hmm. now that because at the time they were a separate Superman from the new 52 Superman. Right. But it was all folded in together and seeing how they would explain that. Yes, this happened. Yes, they were out there on a separate farm and he was wearing the black suit for a time, mm-hmm. not in the public eye. I loved it. Yeah. I, that was my favorite story of the three. I mean, I liked the first two greatly, regardless. Mm-hmm. The third one I struggled with a little bit. Well, and this is the the third one, which is about Power Girl, and I, they're fold they're in this take on uh, in, in the way we're telling Superman stories. We're bringing uh, Power Girl more into the Superman family, right? Even though she's not on the cover. And she's and not she in the first part not, of the story. And she yeah. is not at the Kent's house uh, for uh, for dinner, as everybody But she does have the new costume with the Superman symbol on it. That's so right. She does have the... She does have the new costume, and this this is a direct follow-up to Lazarus Planet, uh, Death of Krypton, Fall of Krypton, something Krypton, uh, Krypton Falling, I think is what it was. Anyway, it was a terrible book, and one of the things that I hated the most about it was the Power Girl story here, which is continued in style. <laughs> uh, you know, she picks up from the Lazarus Reign, as it's referred to in the book, the abil- she gets becomes telepathically connect- connected with, uh, I believe the woman's name is Eve. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask who that is because I have no idea who I, she is. I'm not clear on it other than the fact that she's Eve and uh, <laughs> that for some reason uh, you know she and Power Girl are connected. And let me just say, I hated. Uh, the Lazarus Planet Fall of Krypton book or whatever it's called. Um, I, yeah. I, it was, I, I skimmed it really lightly because I was so irritated with the book because it was a whole bunch of words. Uh, it was, it was a lot more like writing a short story than it was telling a comic. And I just hated how it was drawn. It was drawn very similarly to this one. In fact, it's probably the same artist. I don't care enough to go back and look at Krypton is falling because I hate <laughs> that fucking book so much. Um, and the only reason I picked it up <clears throat> was because, you know, the super family was, was in it and I just didn't care for anything that was in that book. I, I don't understand who thinks it's a good idea to give power girl telepathic abilities and to make her a uh, super powered psychotherapist, you know, getting into people's dreams and helping them solve their trauma. I don't understand who thinks that power girl is the right character for this. It just does not fit her character. I mean, and, the the power girl that we know and the power girl that we have seen and then so the, the the power girl that we're seeing here is a little incong- incongruous with who we have seen like over in JSA uh she seems much younger she seems much less wise um she seems legit girly you know young immature versus the power girl that we have come to know and that it seemed like they were giving us in the justice society book and we'll talk about that here in a little bit but i it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me she seems more 
super girly than power girly, but I don't understand why she seems so far at a distance from the rest of the super family if she's going to be included in the super family. I think the thing you do with with power girl is you establish a relationship between her and Supergirl. Right. And maybe it's not a, a regular team up book, but, you know, they're both cut from the same cloth. They are both two aspects of the same person. It seems to me that you connect those two and then you tell your stories versus this weird story that that I am just clearly resistant to. Um, I, I, I hate hate this story in action comics and I hated it in Lazarus Planet. And I'll shut up now. Well, as much as I don't I don't want to come off like a prude or something, but. The whole costume reveal scene seemed like a reason to have her in brawn panties and mm-hmm. then make a boob window joke. Uh-huh. It yeah. just felt out of place in this book. Yeah, no, oh, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have no complaints about that. That's the only part of the story that I liked. <laughs> yeah, no, I, for me, especially because of our concerns about Kong. I would have rather had they used that backup feature to focus on some of the characters on the cover. Yeah. And I'm fine with them rolling Power Girl in to the super family a bit more. But like I, she I like that. Idea. I'm like, but she wasn't on the cover. <laughs> right. That's my thing is I like the idea of them bringing Power Girl more into the Superman family. You know, you always kind of see that a little bit. And, you know, back in the pre Flashpoint days, the older Superman integrated her into his family right mm-hmm. you know you, you, gray templed superman and yeah. lois pulled her into theirs and you saw that in infinite crisis quite a bit um I, I i would love to see that here you know where lois and clark and even kara bring in power girl uh to their family and you know it's another sister it's you know it's somebody somebody else and it just enriches the family you don't see that here, and I don't understand why that is. If she is close enough that she's going to get the rebrand that everybody else in the family got, why isn't she sitting at the table? Yeah, she's not there with them. You see, the other relationship that might be interesting to see would be Connor and Power Girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two characters that are kind of sort of related, but yeah. not actually. That yeah, well, they, they have, certainly have something in common, right? Yeah, they could bond over that fact that they are these are not actually their family, but they're kind of their family. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, for what it's worth, I think this book overall, I really enjoyed. I'm excited about this super family concept. I'm, I love the new costumes for the most part. I'm excited about the new Superman book and the new um, John Kent book. So this, for me, this is an exciting time to be Superman, uh, a Superman fan. I will, this is probably going to turn into a, a, a series where I, read the first two stories and probably <laughs> at some point I, I will give the power girl one more shot. And, but mm-hmm. if it continues past, past the next issue, I will probably stop reading that yeah. back up. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, but regardless, I mean, Superman in general, um, you know, you've got the Tom Taylor, John Kent book. You've got this one from Philip, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Dan Jurgens, And I think, I think Joshua Williamson for better or worse is writing the Superman book. Is that what it says in the credits, for better or worse? <laughs> yeah, it should, because he wrote Dark Crisis. Um, what I'm looking forward to is the uh, in the John Kemp book, based on future covers, it looks like they're going to explore the electric powers with him. Mm-hmm. And, sure. yeah, I have nostalgia for that era, so I'm looking forward to doing seeing him go through that storyline. Yeah, 
So, you know, Dawn of DC, at, at least for me, off to a solid start with this. Um, you know, excited about the new status quos. And I think, you know, it has a little checklist at the end that next up is uh, Superman number one, I think, in February. Very exciting. Well, Paul, I know you've got some deep concerns that you want to share about Justice Society of America. I do, because I really don't like this book. <laughs> OK, um, you know, I'm I'm struggling with it. So, you know, the, the, as we explored in the in the previous or as it, you know, we discussed in the previous issue, this book is very much focused on Huntress being thrust through time to experience um you know, to, to to the different justice societies of America through time. And, you know, with the intent of uh, someone is I shouldn't say someone. They they reveal the character. I just don't remember the character's name off the top of my head. Um, there is a villain who is murdering Dr. Fates throughout time. Degaton. Degaton. Yeah. yeah. Is murdering Dr. Fates throughout time. And so, you know, Huntress has been thrust through time um, as a result of the events of last issue. And I'm I'm not digging it. I'm I'm not digging this. I want to see a Justice Society book. And, you know, so, you know, in, in this issue, she she is thrust back in time. I just keep saying the word thrust. Yeah. Um, but she 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 is pretty much with the original, the original Justice Society. Um, and just long enough to basically have a conversation and then just, you know, shift forward in time to the 2023 Justice Society. And it's like, OK, well, then like I'm. The book is not staying in one place long enough for me to have an appreciation of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's my my frustration with it is that it's a bit it's I'm not a fan of navel gazing, but this book is almost a bit too all over the place for me to really have any type of emotional investment. And Jeff Johns, I mean, we're going to talk about a different book here in a second, is such a great writer. And I was really looking forward to this book. And I'm going to continue because it's Jeff Johns and I'm I'm hopeful it'll turn around. But these first two issues this is not a Justice Society book for me. This well, is a Huntress book. I don't disagree with anything you said. I Part of me feels like the problem with this book. Now, let me say there's a lot I like about the book. The uh, art, I, I, let me, let me, the yeah. art is beautiful. The art is stunning. And I think that's part of the problem uh, because I feel like the book is showing off. You know, you've got this murderer's row of artists, you know, who are who are drawing the various eras that are depicted. You got Michael Jan and Jerry Ordway and Scott Collins. You could not ask for a, a stronger team to draw the various eras of Justice Society. Um, I very much enjoy all of that. But the problem is, is that the time jumps aren't giving you enough information. Yeah. Uh, to understand what's going on. And I really feel like when you've gotten to issue two, I shouldn't have had the story water drip to me so sparingly. Um, I should have a firmer sense of what's going on, what we need to do. But I feel like we're still very much in setup mode with yeah. some stunning, gorgeous art. There is a full page of Catwoman uh, leaping uh, at Degaton, and it's gorgeous. Um, is. There is also a very dramatic page that I'll be honest with you. I think it's just jerking off. Um, it is a full page of Bruce Wayne and Selena Wayne's gravestones. And there's nothing spectacular about that page. You know, I'm just like, seriously, y'all, y'all could have done this in a panel. They did it mm-hmm. as full page for impact, but it is not 
I mean, there is nothing spectacular on that page. There is nothing that that, that tells you versus that, you know, two pages before where Selena Kyle is leaping at Degaton. And it, it is a full page of her just leaping through the air and looking like she's about to murder this son of a bitch. Uh, that's great. And then you get to this just I mean, it's very simple. I don't think anybody could have drawn this page. Right. And I think you're I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> We're still in setup. And by issue two. I need to know what the hell the point is. Yeah, I feel and I like need some more meat on the bone. Yeah, I feel like an issue one should ask the big question. An issue two doesn't shouldn't answer the questions, but it should further. Yeah, I, I should feel a lot more comfortable about what the world is and what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And I just I truly because we're technically three issues in if you include that new golden right. age. Yeah. And you know what's funny? We literally had the exact same conversation yeah. about flashpoint beyond yeah. issue two like it's still mm-hmm. in setup i'm waiting for something the issue yeah. yeah we're technically three issues in with the zero issue and then it, it turned around so i'm hopeful yeah. that this book will turn around yeah if Same. you remember the first issue of justice society i wasn't sure about getting the second issue after mm-hmm. because i felt like i nothing had happened and i just got the same story over again i did buy issue two i just haven't read it yet but part of the reason I hadn't read it was I wasn't excited about it after the first issue. Well, yeah. I'm certainly staying in for this because yeah. I'm enjoying it enough. But I sure am frustrated that I didn't get more, you know, in this issue, too. And really the the third time we we've visited this story, I just feel like we should be further along. I agree. You know, on the flip side of things, a story that's taking up a more leisurely pace, but to a positive, and I mean that in a positive way, is same writer, Jeff Johns. You know, mm-hmm. Jeff Johns, Junkyard Joe, I think that won our best new series mm-hmm. of 2022 at the Funnies in our last episode. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I'm almost on the flip side on this book because I yeah. keep waiting for this book to have something that will upset me and, and, turn, it, <laughs> and turn it into a bad series for me. Right. Um but it's not. It, it is still so lovingly written. In, in fact, the only thing that upset me in this book is getting to the um, the final, you know, the Jeff Johns little essay at the end where he says, yeah. you know, we're wrapping up Junkyard Joe's first adventure with issue six. Stay tuned for what's ahead for Joe, Geiger, Redcoat, the Northerner and the rest of the unnamed. And, you know, I, I, I know the first three. I don't recall a story about the Northerner, mm-hmm. but you know, we've only got two more issues of Junkyard Joe to go. Yeah, that, that I found that distressing as well. But I can, can I just tell you how delighted I was with the inclusion of two full strips, one of uh, Peanuts with, you know, Charlie Brown and Lucy. Yeah, right. And or I should say Linus and Lucy and uh, uh, an a, a comic strip of Calvin and Hobbes. I just I mean, like yes. legit full comic strips inclusion to demonstrate how all of that exists in the same universe as the junkyard Joe comic strip. I I, love the appreciation for the comic strips. Yeah. Same, Mm -hmm. same. I just, I I absolutely loved it. And I thought both uh, tonally were important to the story. I, I I just love it. And I love that, you know, Jeff Johns, you know, thanks the folks that made that happen in, uh, in the, his comments at at, at the back of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. This book just continues to be awesome. I, I there is so much going on here, uh, so many broken people who are who are coming around Junkyard Joe, uh, and Junkyard Joe himself is broken. Uh, I'm, but I'm I'm enjoying the the mystery around him, and certainly the very hard. You know, there there's a whimsiness about Junkyard Joe, 
and then you've got the card hold cold hard reality of the guys who are coming after him who you know are it's that contrast between those two things like you know joe is whimsy and these guys are grim death and i i can't wait to see how that resolves yeah i am looking forward to the fight and for a book like this i've been loving all of the character interactions and i don't need the action yet Mm -hmm. but it's built to such a way where we get to see how horrible these people are that it makes you look forward to him dealing with them except it's possible it might not end out well for joe well, and yeah. I mean, I, I I think it's not only possible but likely, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think I think this has an Empire Strikes Back sort of ending uh, in issue six, you know, to lead us into the next volume of it because it doesn't feel like it's going to have a warm and fuzzy ending. Uh, I, I think I think our our our, he, our hero will be broken. I think things will be lost. I uh, I, I see bad things. I just I do. I see bad things. But. We will be there for it because I'm absolutely oh, totally. can't wait for the next two issues. You know, I, I've made the comparison before. This book is very E.T. ish to mm-hmm. me, yeah, very Spielbergian. Absolutely. So even if Joe, even if the bad guys are defeated or even in a Spielbergian manner, undo themselves somehow, like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, you know, I, I think Joe has, you know, may, may leave the, the family at the end kind of thing. Can I just say, you know, we spent some time in uh, Muddy Davis's uh, design studio, you know, his his artist studio, mm-hmm. and we see all of the Junkyard Joe merch there. And can I just say I need a Junkyard Joe plushie? Right. <laughs> I anchor. Yeah, I just, yeah. I was like, okay, I need that. And I I'm also just sell a limited that. edition one. I'll buy it. Like, I don't need to go to Toys R Us. <laughs> not the Toys R Us. Yeah. I don't need to go to Target and get one. Just, you know, yeah. make some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I imagine it's got a pull string so it can make little you know, sound effects, you know, the, the whirs and the clunks. Yeah, some and robot noises. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did pick up, and I haven't read it yet, but at the end of the book, they, they note that Jeff Johns has a, uh, a story in that Image Anthology book mm-hmm. um, called The Blizzard. I, I picked up the first issue. I'm I'm – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the first issue. The problem is it's a 12-issue it's a anthology book of which, you know, I'm only interested in – one story of it. So I'm hopeful that if it's good, it'll get collected at some point. Yeah. Cause I don't want to have to pick up all 12 issues to really only enjoy 10 pages of them. Exactly. Exactly. That's the reason I didn't pick it up to begin with, but I gave it a shot. I've been well, you know, you could also wait for it to go into Comixology Unlimited. A lot of those image books. Uh, oh, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. And speaking of Comixology Unlimited, I read, started reading a, uh, uh, zombie apocalypse book oh yeah i haven't read that yet from awa studios uh called year zero and it is uh free on com- the first six issues are free on comiXology the first volume uh it talks about the early days of a zombie apocalypse and uh, uh, spoilers uh it tells not just the current day zombie apocalypse but it talks about the sort of the man's experience with zombies throughout time uh, going back to you know the the very the dawn of civilization you know up to present day, and I think one of the most chilling things I have ever seen in a comic before was uh, in uh, 19th century America them loading up the trains full of zombies. All the boxcars are full of zombies, and they roll them out to the west to take care of the Native American problem. Ooh. And I'm just like. Oh shit! 
<laughs> I was just I, 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 I thought that was chilling, just chilling. Uh, wow. it's, it is so well conceived. It tells it is kind of an anthology story told concurrently. You've got like four, I think, different um perspectives of people one's the guy who you know nobody else would listen and but while he was building his bunker you know and then of course when the apocalypse comes all of his neighbors are trying to get into his bunker and then what happens after that uh you've got the guy who uh a kid in, in mexico city whose you know parents were killed by uh drug lords and you know he served he because he learned how to survive on the mean streets of mexico city he is uniquely capable of surviving during the zombie apocalypse a great story is about these afghan women who use it as an opportunity to, okay, zombie apocalypse might not be so bad for us because, you know, we, we lived under uh, the Taliban. Now we can read books. <laughs> um, I mean, these just terrific stories and they're all uh, very different tonally and they're all happening sort of concurrently. Uh, really enjoyed it. Now I, I can't read, wait to read volume two. Sorry. I, you, we were talking about comiXology unlimited that got me there, but Hey, Wayne, Talk to me about Darkwing Duck. Yeah, so you guys know I buy a lot of nostalgia books. You know, whether yeah, yeah. I mean, I picked Power- up that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book. I haven't read it yet. The yeah, second Power dish. Rangers, Ninja Turtles, uh, Transformers. A lot of them are nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really appreciate about those books is that they understand that their audience are is not the same age they were when these properties came out. That they are nostalgia properties, and they, while lovingly take what was originally there, they update it to modern day to a degree. This is not that. This very much felt like it is aimed at kids, like an all-ages book. And it is all-ages. So I'm not going to say it's bad, but this was not for me. I did not make it through the Uh, entire issue. Oh, wow. As I'm trying to read this, it feels... It is too kids story to me, even more so than the original cartoon, because I have rewatched some of those. So, no, it was definitely not for me, but I won't go so far as to say it's bad. I am not the audience. And I thought I was because I thought this was going to be. Well, the last run of Darkwing Duck was like I'm describing, where they took the basic concepts, but they told stories knowing that adults were going to be the ones buying and reading the books. And this wasn't that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm glad I, 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 I know you're a Darkwing fan. Oh, well. And well. Hey, Paul. Please. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, it's a pretty light week because we are dealing with a fifth week, um, and it's it's lighter than your average fifth week. We have a couple of specials from DC Comics. We have a, a new Lazarus Planet, Legends, Legends Reborn, um, Flash One Minute War special, uh, DC Power, a celebration for Black History Month. We have that coming out. Uh, not much from Marvel Comics other than the finale of Dark Web, uh, the uh, Zeb Wells, Spider-Man, Venom, X-Men crossover. Uh, the finale book comes out next week, and uh, that's pretty much it. So pretty pretty light week for, huh. for next week. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books, and maybe maybe you're a fan of this dark web thing that Paul's reading. We don't know. Give us a call, 682-800-3494. That number, once again, 682-800-3494. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable 
ideology of madness surprise see look paul i know the number this week i know wow you can also hit <laughs> us up on social media i o m geek on facebook instagram or twitter what a deal well hey guys uh we'll do it all over again next time and uh maybe we will uh you know enjoy some things a little bit more than we did this time i, I got big hopes for uh, justice society nerd. big hopes yeah, yeah big, big hopes, hopes. We, we were about 50 50 this week that's right <laughs> catch you then Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.